0: Amen, amen, thank you Steve If you have your Bible, turn to Nehemiah chapter 2 Nehemiah chapter 2 If you're visiting with us uh, We are going through a study of Nehemiah Who was a great visionary leader And uh, we are in chapter 2 today it Took a couple weeks to get through chapter 1 I'm going to try to get through chapter 2 today In one week, no promises, no promises Nehemiah is an incredible... Uh, Character in the bible an incredible book of the bible and we're going to discover today three relationships that probably everyone in here Have relationships with these three groups of people and we're going to learn from nehemiah's example today uh, how to maybe strategize uh, those relationships Because some of them are challenging and what we're going to discover is those groups of people are key to helping us accomplish the vision of god Uh, Nehemiah a great visionary we uh, discovered last week if we didn't know this that he was the cupbearer to the king and uh, an incredible Guy who had a heart for his people In jerusalem where the walls were torn down the city was rebuilt, but the walls were torn down So it was an unfortified city that could come in and be destroyed and taken over by the enemy And god comes to him through some friends in chapter one and he discovers this situation and he decides that he's gonna do something about it. You know, that is, that is really the difference between those who are in tune with God and those who aren't. Hearing the chaos and the confusion in the, in the world and being aware of it and then saying, okay, God, what do you want me to do about it? Just like Jamie has seen the chaos and confusion in Kenya, could have gotten back on the plane and come back home and just said, I hope God sends somebody over there. And that may have been what he said initially. And then God said, I am going to send somebody. Congratulations, it's you. (laughs) My prayer really is, as I I said just a moment ago, that God would do that for many of us uh, in this congregation. That God would send us out. Now, I I know that there are needs right here in our own area. I know that. uh, And there are uh, needs for people to come to know Jesus right here in their own area. You know, the the interesting thing about the upstate is that uh, the world is coming and you may, if you live around this area, you may go, I know, I wish they would leave. Especially out here during 5 o'clock, because you can't hardly get to the church because of the traffic. But the world is coming to Greenville, and we have an opportunity to impact that world, but that does not uh, take away the responsibility to go to the utmost parts of the earth. Because despite the needs in Greenville, there are some, significant, uh, some significantly different needs In other parts of the world that we can't even wrap our minds and hearts around unless we're there So we discovered in nehemiah chapter 1 last week a man who heard about some chaos and confusion and said, okay I'm going to do something about it So we're going to look at chapter 2 and talk about this morning these three relationships That every person uh, Has to choose three groups of people if you saw the front of your bulletin, then you know what those three groups of people are they are the bullies and the bosses, and what else does it say? The buddies. Some of you looking for your bulletin, I'll just tell you. <laughs> buddies, bosses, and bullies. We're going to talk about it. And uh, so if you've got your Bible, Nehemiah chapter 2, let's read it together. I've got the first hint on the screen already, but we're going to go back and pick up with verse 1. And it came about in the month Nisan. You could say Nisan. It's not talking about the car if you want to say Nissan. Nisan. Uh, in the 20th year of king Artaxerxes That wine was before him And I took up the wine and I gave it to the king Now I had not been sad in his presence so let's stop for just a minute And make a couple of notes here The month of Nisan is about four months From the time of what happened in chapter 1 So about four months have progressed So let's let's keep our uh, our senses engaged With what the Bible is saying here And not, not f- fall asleep on me Chapter 1 Nehemiah hears about this trouble. He prays to God. He decides he's going to do something. Here we are, chapter 2, four months have passed by. What was he doing for four months? Well, if you remember chapter 1, he did a lot of praying. He did a lot of fasting. He asked God for direction, forgot it. Maybe he raised his financial support. We don't know what he did, but for four months, he was intentionally getting ready for God's assignment. And now we have him in front of the king. And he has the wine because he was the cupbearer. And in those days, you would go before the king if you were the cupbearer and you would take the cup and you would pour the wine in it and I guess you would kind of shake it around. I don't know if you would smell it. I don't know what you would do, but you would hold it and you would do that in front of the king so that he would see where the wine came from. Because remember, one of the chief responsibilities for the cupbearer was to taste the wine so that he would make sure it it had not been poisoned because that was one of the ways kings got taken out. So Nehemiah pours the wine, maybe he tastes the wine, we don't know but he does that in front of the king and he goes into the king's presence, but for some reason, and we know why, he has this sad countenance on his face. And he walks in front of the king and the king says in verse 2, "Why is your face sad though you're not sick?" There's nothing but sadness of heart. And it says and Nehemiah says, "I was very much afraid and I said to the king, let the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad?" When the city, the place of my father's tomb, lies desolate and its gates have been consumed by fire. It was highly unbecoming, especially if you were the cupbearer to the king, to go into his presence sad. Because if you're the king, you're thinking, do I want to taste that or am I getting ready to die or what's he sad for? What's getting ready to happen here? And so he tells the king why he's sad because his city The place of his fathers is desolate. And the king says to him in verse 4, What would you request? So he prays to the God of heaven. And I said to the king, verse 5, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor before you, send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. And the king said to me, with the queen sitting beside him, How long will your journey be and when will you return so it did please the king to send me and I gave him a definite time Now let's stop for just a minute the king and the queen are together Uh, Part of my responsibility to you is to study the background and the history of this you may not know this Maybe you do but the fact that it tells us that, that the king and queen were together means this was a probably a very private encounter maybe he went into one of the private rooms in the palace and he had this conversation because most of the time sorry ladies I know it's men's day but most of the time the women were not permitted to be out in public with the king especially if the king was to be drinking wine that did not happen so the fact that the bible tells us they were together means this was a private uh, a meeting a private situation where when Nehemiah goes up in front of the king and has this discussion and maybe it's a good thing because god kind of Providentially set this situation up where they both would be there That nehemiah could be a little more honest With what was going on and so he tells the king what is happening and he says I set him a definite time Some biblical scholars say he probably started off with the king saying can I have six months to maybe a year to go and help my people And we'll find out as we continue to study the book of Nehemiah that he stayed there much longer, 12 years. But he started by asking the king, can I have six months or maybe a year is what scholars tell us. He says, verse 7, I said to the king, if it please the king, let letters be given for me for the governors of the provinces beyond the river that they may allow me to pass through until I come to Judah and a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forests, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the fortress, which is by the temple for the walls of the city and for the house to which I will go. And the king granted them to me because the good hand of my God was on me. So let's stop right there and talk about this first group of people. The first group of people that we all have are bosses. Husbands, I'm not talking about your wives. But we all have had, unless you're self-employed, and even then you have a lot of bosses. We all have had bosses in our lives. And one of the key things that we learn from this passage of Scripture in the story of Nehemiah is you have a couple of options when it comes to bosses in your life. You can respect your boss or you can resist your boss so what happens with nehemiah what does he choose to do what obviously he chooses to respect his boss despite this chaos that's going on in the world he continues to be faithful to his boss and show a little bit of r-e-s-p-e-c-t boy we need that in the world now don't we not a lot of that i remember when uh, i think i was sharing this story with joey a few weeks ago i remember when god had kind of called me out to think about uh, serving in, in ministry uh, Jamie and I remember I was uh, uh, itinerant doing itinerant ministry and I was broke before I met Lynette and got married I was in my late 20s mid to late 20s and I would go speak at churches and I would make an, enough to, to buy a hamburger and a road map to find my way back home but not to survive home and I wound up getting a job at a record store in Spartanburg at the old Hillcrest Mall in Spartanburg not there anymore But I remember getting that job at that record store and I remember loathing it. I remember hating it. I remember despising it. What other words can I come up with? I remember I did not want to go and I would go up there and I had a little bitty office. They had offices under the mall and I rented a little office so I could be official and I think I paid like $90 a month. And I would go upstairs to the mall and I would work in the record store and do everything the boss told me and when I had a lunch break, I would run down to the little office I had for about an hour and I would make phone calls to pastors and I would do stuff and I would run back upstairs. But can I tell you, I hated it. And what made it even more difficult was I had a boss a little bit different than Nehemiah's boss, who was not really a fan of spiritual things. He was not really a fan of Jesus. And I remember when I took that job and I just said to him up front, hey, this is temporary, I, I'm praying and I'm believing God is going to do this, that he began to poke and prod, and have a lot of fun with me. Wow, if God wants you to do this, what, what are you doing here working in this record store? Just on and on, the ridicule came. And I remember praying and, and, and honestly... Crying sometimes at night, going, God, when is this going to change? When is this going to relent? What's going to happen? But at the same time, I decided I'm going to respect this guy and I'm going to serve him and I'm going to do my best. And I did for a year and two years. And I remember when I finally said, when God opened the door for me to finally leave, I remember going to him and, and saying, hey, I think my time is up. I know, I know I need to work a notice. What kind of notice do I need to work? And he said to me, he said, you know what? I, I don't agree with your uh, faith. I don't agree with your Christianity. But one thing I can say, you more so than any employee, you have shown me the utmost respect. Didn't change his heart completely. But it made an impact here in Nehemiah's situation. He shows respect. You say, how do we know he shows respect? Well, he showed up and he did his duty He did his duty you may be in a situation right now with a boss where you're discouraged and you feel defeated Do what you're there to do Do what you're there to do Why is it that most of us and most of the employers that I talk to the group that they complain about when it comes to their Employees are us as believers. That should not be the case Of anybody who should do our work unto the Lord, the Bible says, it should be those of us who say we have faith in Christ and our bosses should be the ones to see that happen. And Nehemiah does that and he shows great respect. As a matter of fact, we see this several times. It says in verse three, what was his demeanor to the king? Here's what he says. Let the king live forever in verse three. In verse five, he says, now if it pleases the king, this is what I would like to request. Verse seven, if it pleases the king, He was recognizing who was in authority. And you may be in a situation where you're just kind of like, I I don't don't really enjoy this right now. But respect the person who is in authority above you because they're there for a reason. And the boss responds to him, his boss, the king, Nehemiah responds to him in a very gracious way. We find out at the end of verse 8, it says the king granted them the letters that he requested to nehemiah because the good hand of god was on him what an incredible decision for the boss to grant what he wanted i I remember these stories just came to mind this morning as i was sitting downstairs in in uh in the office i remember dating this girl in high school this is before i before i met you sweetie before i met you (laughs) I wish I'd met you sooner, but this was 10 years before that. I remember dating this girl in high school, and I tried to respect her, and I did, and I treated her right. Fast forward, during that time at the record store, fast forward, setting up a nonprofit ministry, fast forward, raising money, writing grants, trying to get money. Fast forward, about 10 years later, I'm writing this grant, and I wrote a grant, and I was requesting about $15,000 from a foundation, And I look on the letterhead of the information that I'd been given, and I see on the letterhead one of the people who was on the committee was my former girlfriend's father. (laughs) Long story short, finally after I fill it out, I meet the deadline. A few weeks pass. I finally get that letter back, and inside there was a check for $15,000 that I had requested with a little post-it note from her dad that's just said i remember i called him up and i said i think i know what this post-it note means but can you tell me he said i just wanted you to know i remember i remember how you treated her i remember how you interacted with us as a family when you would come over to the house Friends, sometimes we don't understand the repercussion of little things that we do in our lives and how God can grant answers and work in people's hearts because of something that we did in the past. Nehemiah faithfully did his duty, did his job to his boss, and as a result, when the time came where God needed him to step out and do something for his people, he goes to the king and says, if it pleases you, if it pleases you, and the king grants his request. Maybe sometimes our requests are not granted because our attitude to our boss is not what it should be. What a great lesson. What a great lesson. Well, let's keep reading. Not only do we understand what happens there with our bosses, we have to respect, but we discover something else. Let's look at verse 9. It says, he came to the governors of the provinces beyond the river. He begins to travel to Jerusalem and he gives them the king's letters that the king has given him. The king had sent him, by the way, not just with those letters, but we find out in verse 9, with officers of the army and horsemen. So he's providing protection and resources. Interesting. The king had sent with me officers of the army and horsemen. Verse 10, And when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard about it, it was very displeasing to them that someone had come to seek the welfare of the sons of Israel. Verse 11, so I came to Jerusalem and I was there three days. Three days. What's the second thing we need to start discovering as we read these verses together? We need to recruit, or we may regret, We need to recruit buddies that will stand beside us. What was happening in these verses? Verse 11, he says, I came to Jerusalem. I was there about three days. What was he doing about three days? Biblical scholars say they don't know. He was there three days, apparently not doing a whole lot. Maybe he was investigating. Maybe he was building relationships. But one of the things that's very true is there was silence there during those three days. It was quiet. And there obviously were people around him. There were horsemen around him and resources that the king had sent with him. Here's here's a question I think about. I think about this standing in the hospital room with Roger and with Barry and Susan this week. Have you ever needed buddies that just stood with you and they didn't say anything? They were just silent. They didn't need to say anything. You just needed their presence. Think about times of struggle or times of death or times of sorrow. Nehemiah had some people there and apparently for three days, we don't know, they were just sitting quietly. Not a lot going on. But verse 12 says, I rose in the night and I selected a few men with me. I didn't tell anyone what God was putting into my mind to do for Jerusalem and there was no animal with me except the animal I was riding on. The other thing I see here about recruiting buddies is, it says he selected a few. You know what? I, I, I would tell our young people, adults, you could stand up here and say this as well. But probably the most critical decision that you can make as a person is determining your buddies, your friends. Because almost every decision, almost every bad decision results in... The verse that comes to mind, I think, is in the book of Proverbs. It says, bad company corrupts good morals. Almost every bad decision can be traced back to the people that you hang around. That's why you will find in my life, there are certain people, I love everybody, but there are certain people I just don't go have lunch with because I don't want to hear their negativity. I don't want to hear their griping. I don't want to hear their gossiping. I don't want to hear their bickering. It does nothing to build me up. And as a child of God, you don't want to be hanging around with those people. If you sometimes wonder why you feel like you've drunk, you know, lemon juice for breakfast. Man, look at who you and I are hanging around. Here we understand that Nehemiah gets around a group of people and it says he selected just a few people. He had been quiet, but he began to select a few people. Some confidants, some comrades, Man, I look back in my life, and I, I could trace, and, and we don't have time this morning because there are a lot, I could trace every bad decision I ever made back to a group of people that I was hanging around. Psalms, I believe Psalms 1 teaches us this when he, the writer David tells us that sometimes you walk with people, you stand with people, you sit with people, Here's how he says it in Psalm chapter one. It's very interesting. It says, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. In other words, there's a progression. We're walking around with people. Then we're like, oh, hey, man, we're standing around talking with people. Next progression is now we're sitting down having lunch with those people. It's a progression. And it tells us that the people that we hang around can build us up or tear us down. That's probably the number one question I got when I was working with students. I know the world has changed a lot, Heath, but the question is, well, I'm supposed to be a light of Jesus. How do I get close enough to those people who need Jesus, but not step over the line that they start pulling me away from Jesus? That's a great question. If you figure that out, let me know. One of the answers is making sure your closest group, your core group of buddies are people who are grounded in the truth of God and all of us, perhaps of any group that we're gonna look at this morning, this is one of the most important groups, our buddies, the people who befriend us. My mom and dad used to tell me growing up and I used to laugh and think, man, you guys were just, what was your problem when they would say, you know, if you're lucky and you get to our age, if you just have two or three good friends, you'll be fortunate, and they used to think, man, if somebody needs to teach you how to make friends, what's wrong? <laughs> who are you offending? But then I understood they weren't talking about the, you know, 26, 20, whatever it is, 100 people on your Facebook page. They're talking about real friends that will do life with you, that love you through thick and thin. And you have to really invest in those people. And so he selected a group of people and it goes on to say this. Well, what did he do after he selected them? He went out, verse 13, at night, little spy mission. By the valley gate in the direction of the dragon's well And on to the refuse gate Next week we're going to look at all these gates Inspecting the walls of Jerusalem Which were broken down and its gates Which were consumed by fire Verse 14 He passed on to the fountain gate And the king's pool But there was no place for my mount to pass So I went up at night by the ravine And I inspected the wall Then I entered the valley gate again And I returned And the officials did not know where I had gone Or what I had done because he's on this spy mission, nor had I as yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, or the rest who did the work. The other thing he discovered about recruiting buddies is you know when to talk to them and when to keep your mouth shut. You know when to share with them what's going on, you know when to speak and after they had this experience in this spy mission And they went around to discover what was going on with the walls Then it says the word T-H-N Then verse 17 Then he says to them You see this bad situation we're in The Jerusalem is desolate and its gates are burned by fire Come let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem That we may no longer be a reproach He encourage them and share with them what was going on he, he told a story about what he had seen and he wanted to inspire these buddies to be a part of helping be a part of the solution after they experienced it and understood that's some deep conversation most of our conversation in our world is all weather conversation how you we talked about this last week or two weeks ago how you doing fine what'd you think about that weather what'd you think about that snow blizzard this week by the way i'm glad to see y'all survived the snow blizzard of january you made it. Need to get t-shirts printed. But deep conversation about the things that are important. He trusted these folks with so that you and I, as a believer, as a child of God, need to find buddies that we can have deep conversation beyond the fluff. We need to have, I have a friend of mine who says this, says it this way. We need to find people who can be Jesus with skin on. I'm all about depending on Jesus. Your pastor should say that. I'm all about depending on Jesus and the power of Holy Spirit. That's paramount. But it is very helpful to have people who can be Jesus with skin on that I can lean on and say, pray with me, encourage me. These are the kind of friends he's talking about here. Because they're getting ready to take on an incredible mission. And so he shares these stories of encouragement and after he tells them about how bad the situation is he doesn't stop there he inspires them in verse 18 he says and i told them how the hand of my god had been favorable to me and also about the king's words which he had spoken to me and then they said let us arise and build so they put their hands to do the good work wow there's so much more we could say about that But rest assured when you have good buddies who are encouraging you and even good bosses who will grant you your need because of your respect, you have another group of people that's waiting in the wings. They're always there. They're always there. They're the bullies. They're always there. Your option as a child of God is to rebuke them or to run in fear and retreat from them. And it's interesting to see what Nehemiah's response is. And these bullies actually are, it's, it's interesting. They're here, if you read in verse 10, we, we read through it quickly, but in verse 10, after the king grants Nehemiah what he needs, what quickly happens? Verse 10 says, And when Sanballat, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the Ammonite, the officials heard about it, it was very displeasing to them that someone had come to seek the welfare of the sons of Israel. What? You're displeased that someone is going to come help And run to the aid of someone else Yeah They were It's interesting that we only hear about two of them in that verse But let's keep reading Because if you jump down to verse 19 And we finish the chapter There's a third person that emerges A third character Verse 19 When Samba, the Horonite Tobiah the Ammonite official And oh by the way here's Geshem The Arab heard it they mocked us and despised us and said, what is this thing you're doing? Are you rebelling against the king? I remember riding the bus, the big yellow bus, in middle school. I would think I was probably sixth grade in Roebuck, South Carolina. And I remember going up the hill to our house and this high school punk started kind of aggravating me. And picking on me and bullying me, getting behind the seat behind me on the bus and just kind of flicking my ear. You remember anybody had their ear flicked? I think I was probably about I don't know five four, five five, about 150 pounds. Probably I was a little hefty and hunky and husky, and he was probably about 150, six two, six three. I remember sitting in my seat like this was yesterday looking in the rearview mirror of the bus and seeing the bus driver, and he was getting very agitated. I was afraid he was just going to let, let go of the steering wheel and walk to the back of the bus, and then, of course, we all would have died. I'd come back there and slap this guy around. But I was waiting for somebody else to come to my defense. There were a lot of older high schoolers sitting around, but there were a lot of them just watching. Nobody came to my aid. We got to the stop where my house was, the door opened. I stepped out, this high school kid stepped out after me and I'm thinking something is getting ready to go down, cops is gonna be videoing this in just a second, what's happening? And I looked and I saw the bus driver put the thing in neutral I guess, pull up the emergency brake and stepped out from behind the driver's seat and came down and, and got in this guy's face and said, you got two options, you either get on the bus now or you and I are going to have an issue. And luckily, this high school kid got on, back on the bus. Some of you maybe in this congregation have been bullied. I have some relatives that are going through that right now. Makes me want to jump in the car, in Jesus' name. <laughs> and go open up a can, as they would say. bullying has been going on since the beginning of time it's nothing new there are a lot of cultural issues that seem to rise to the surface can i just tell you god's word speaks to every single one of them it's nothing new and here nehemiah has an opportunity with these friends these buddies that have stepped up because of his inspiration and god's leadership to go do something huge and of course they're the bullies it's all right to have bullies out there, but there's no bullies. There's no place for bullies in the Church of Jesus Christ. Folks, I watch on social media and I see people who claim to know Jesus bullying each other on social media. What a shame. There's no place for that. Get over yourself. You're not as important as you think you are. If you call yourself a believer and you are a bully, you need to check your heart and actually find out if you know the king of the universe. That's not a behavior that would come from God. And yet you see these guys who have some importance in society. We'll find out more as we study the book of DMI exactly who they are. But... It's easy to grow a crowd because in verse 10, there's two of them. In verse 18, there's three of them. As we continue the study of of Nehemiah, you'll find out more and more people come up to get behind the bullies and just ridicule and taunt. So what do you do when that happens? Well, that's a great question because bullies, their chief intimidation, their chief tactics are intimidation and insinuation you ever feel intimidated in your life or people you feel like something's being insinuated you need to have a little flag that goes up that goes bully 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 because those are tactics of a bully and that's what happens right here because as a matter of fact they don't just ju- they don't just mock them and try to despise them they actually ask an interesting question in verse 19 they say are you rebelling against the king well no they're not rebelling against the king the king's the one who granted their permission to go do this But they insinuate and try to throw doubt in as if to say, oh, maybe you're doing something the king did not want you to do. That's the bully's tactic. But look at what Nehemiah's response is as as we close this morning. He says something very interesting. So he answers them and says to them, the God of heaven will give us success. Therefore, we, his servants, will arise and build, but you have no portion, right, or memorial in Jerusalem. Man, I love that. In other words, sit down and be quiet. (laughs) The God of heaven will give us success, He will give us success. And we, his servants, will arise and we will build. What is God challenging you with today, my friend? What group of people are you having a little bit of challenge uh, dealing with, navigating in your life? Maybe it is those friends that you need to find now so that a few years from now you're not living in regret wow why didn't I spend time investing and it is an investment it does take time if you get my age and you look around and you're going where are the real friends maybe it's because you and I did not do a great job of investing because it does take time and many times you invest and you realize that's not a person I really should have invested in. I wasted time that that happens Maybe you've been looking for a church family and you're visiting today and you're like, well, I invested there and I invested there and it just imploded. It wasn't what I thought. That, that's life. I'm so sorry. As one of the pastors at this church, I, I would just tell you what I've found here at Crossroads is a group of people to whom you can invest your life because we want to be your, not just your buddy. We want to be a friend in the thick and the thin and help you accomplish the mission of God in your life. So if you're visiting here, man, I'm glad you're here. Welcome. Maybe you're struggling with some bosses and you're trying to figure out how to navigate those relationships. I know it's hard. I know it's not a wise thing to say psychologically, oh, I've been there, but I've been there. Man, respect them. Show the love of Jesus. The Bible says to do your work unto the Lord. So do it under the Lord and, and trust God to, d- to take care of the responsibility and the, and the result. He will. He will. Maybe you find yourself today and you're just saying, you know what? I, I need to actually surrender to the boss. And his name is Jesus. And one of the things I've discovered, this is just me, in my short time on this planet, is that oftentimes God has used the relationships with bosses to teach me what my relationship should be with Jesus. Because at the end of the day, Jesus is boss. What he says goes. Not up for debate, not up for discussion. And so a lot of times, God has used those relationships in my own life to remind me how to surrender my will to God's will. So maybe you find yourself here today and you're like, I I need to know the boss, King Jesus. If you do, I want to invite you to come down. I'd love to share with you how you can know Jesus. It's simple. Because he's the best boss in the world to work for. You know why? Because he has your best interests at heart and his glory at heart. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for the story of Nehemiah. Thank you for these friends in this room. And Father, I pray as we look at our relationships, there are so many different relationships. Can, they can help us grow closer to you or they can pull us far away from you. And ultimately, God, our heart, if we know you, should be to honor you. So I pray for these friends. Maybe there's relationship issues with bosses today that we need to surrender to you. Lord, maybe there's an investment of time that we need to make a commitment today to invest in friends and buddies that will help us grow. Lord, I, I don't believe it would be the case for Crossroads, but maybe there's someone here today that would just say, you know what, I've been a spiritual bully And I need to confess that to you. Maybe there's some in this room that are dealing with bullies in their life. I pray, God, that you would grant them the response that Nehemiah had. To say, my success is dependent upon the Lord. And as for me, I will arise, I will build, and I will follow him. So, Lord, have your way during this invitation time. I pray you'd speak to us. And not just that you would speak, but we would obey what it is you lay on our hearts to do. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to invite you in just a second to stand as we have our invitation hymn. My friend Heath will be down here at the front, our teaching pastor and student pastor. And if you need to make some decision for the Lord, I pray you would just respond the way he leads you to this morning. Let's stand and sing our song together.